0: Go ahead. Welcome to the OA Light and Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light and Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Michelle. Hi everybody, I'm Michelle Composible Reader. Hi Michelle. It's really great to be here, and thanks for inviting me to speak. Um, So what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. So the first thing I guess I'll just, well, first thing is welcome to the newcomer. If you're in the right place, this is the place to be, keep coming back, you know, if, if nothing I say resonates for you, come back to more meetings and you'll surely hear what you need to hear. And, um, and just, just the only thing, there's no wrong way to do this program. The only wrong way is to just not come at all. So just keep coming back. Let's see, you're welcome here and this is a place to be. So um, just to get the numbers out of the way, um, I've been in program for 10 years. Uh, well, actually I've been working, this, working it for 10 years. I came in uh, July of 2011 and um, my abstinence began at that time, um, and I am down about 30 to 35 pounds that I've been battling for my whole adult life, and, uh, you know, it took me a couple of years to, to, you know, release that weight, but for the last eight years or so, I've been within the range of, of down that much, so what that looks like for me is my highest weight at some point was, like, 160, and, like, now I'm pretty much between 125, 130 most of the time, okay? So it kind of is a range. Sometimes it's more toward the 125, sometimes it's closer to the 130, it depends, but that's the range. It's a it's a much smaller range and a much smaller size. And so for me, I'm 5'3", for those of you who can't see me and um, <laughs> on the podcast. And so um, size-wise, what that looks like is, at when I was in my like 150s, you know, I was up in size 12, sometimes 14 now. And of course, sizes vary. over the last, you know, 30 or 35 years of me being that much like up and down with weight sizes vary. But um, like now I'm mostly around like either small or a four, four to six, something like that. And um, exercise has taken on a much more healthy and uh, useful place in my life. Um, And so I'm grateful for all those things. So those are I just want to let you know that up front that those things are better and they're they work. And you know, I have my abstinence looks like three meals with two optional snacks in any given day. Um, I send my food to my sponsor. I've been doing that for probably three and a half years of my 10, and I do that religiously every day, and it helps me to do that. I want to do that. Um, it gives me accountability and it, it, it just helps me be clear about what I'm actually eating, and, and I can be honest about it. So um, those are some of the things. So that that's kind of the simplest nuts and bolts of kind of where it is. So But it, there's a lot more to it. I mean, that's just like very superficial stuff of what I've gotten from this program. What I've learned in here is, you know, I came in thinking that, um, well, I knew I needed a 12-step program, but and I actually knew that my life was unmanageable. I knew that coming here. And I really did come for the sanity and not the vanity. I didn't think I could get banned anymore. I thought I was up my 30 pounds or whatever. I thought I'm never gonna lose it again. I thought that's it's like, I'm okay with that. I was almost okay with that. I just didn't wanna gain like 50 more, you know? And again, my life was unmanageable for a lot of different reasons. And so. You know i have a whole lot of time to tell you about that tonight so <laughs> you get to hear all sorts of details that you probably didn't want to know but here they are so, anyway. <laughs> so basically um you know in a nutshell i never learned how to handle life on life's terms i didn't learn any skills of dealing with people of how to connect i never really learned good ways that like if you had a fight with somebody how to resolve that and how to like be friends after it's like Everything was always awkward and difficult and like you know like if, if it did work out with people it was almost like I mean, it wasn't because you really talked about it just because like it just worked out somehow and you just dealt with it I just don't, don't say too much it's like Ugh, you know <laughs> and, and so I, I still tend to want to be like that you know but um, but I, I really didn't have a lot of skills about truly dealing with people and and so you know when, when I was thinking about today I was like okay when did the food really start to be a thing for me? And it actually took a little bit. Like some people talk about it when they were three or they were five. For me, it was a little bit older. I was like maybe about seven because that's when I had some opportunity to get near it. But you know, for me, you know, one of the issues that was really affected my life was that um, my mother had significant physical and mental issues and illness, and that started manifesting itself when I was about three years old. And so um, at that time. What happened was she had this um, atypical uh, manifestation of TB, tuberculosis, that it turns out it was not communicable, but they didn't know that at the time. So the doctors at that time thought it would be a good idea because they thought it was communicable to have me go live somewhere else for a while. So for about a four month period, which felt like four years to me at that age, I had to go live with my aunt. And so um, my aunt, this is my father's sister, who she was like on her third marriage and the, she and this husband, they would drink highballs every night. That was their thing. And they had, And she had a son from the previous marriage where she was like actively engaged in a court battle over custody or some such thing. And that cousin who was about six years older than I was. He was not nice to me. And um, so I had to stay there in this place. And it was a really, and then on top of it, so here's the interesting food piece of that is my grandmother lived there too, my father's mother. And so she had a lot of neurological deficits from a stroke that she had. So she couldn't barely move. She couldn't walk very well. I mean, she was diabetic and she loved to eat sugar. (laughs) And so my aunt was always yelling at her about like, no, don't have it. And yelling at, I mean, she was a whole big thing around her eating. Like the, it was like like a whole Alan on dilemma around this woman's food. And so (laughs) little did I know that that would become like my thing later, you know, but um, it was a really chaotic place, you know, and, uh, and I just remember walking around that house thinking, I felt like a prisoner. I had no words for it at the time, but I felt like I I would just wander around feeling trapped and like, it was just awful. And, um, and so that kind of shaped a lot of my interpersonal relationships, I think, for years to come. Now, is it, it's not a matter of blame, it's a matter of explanation. So like, I'm not here to tell you that, oh, it's so awful and poor me. It's not that it's just more, you know, we take a search, searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves and that's part of it to look at like causes and conditions like what happened what what things went on that sort of shaped you you know and so again in the end the why doesn't matter it's what what do we do about it what you know do we work our program and all that sort of thing but but it is interesting to know what happened why uh, what is this you know and so you know it started off pretty rocky for me in that way. And so yeah. I always felt very alone, very um, isolated, like different, you know, and um, I don't remember having anybody had a, who had a similar situation with their mother, you know, with having all these different problems. And and then, so finally, you know, I got back home after the four month period, whatever I was there for a while, it seemed like it was me okay, and then she got sick again. And then this time, she had to have this really lengthy hospitalization. So I was at home, my grandmother, her mother lived with us to help take care of me, but um, she was gone for like, I don't know, eight or nine months. And at this time, she needed like a big surgery because of this thing, you know, and so they determined it was, yeah she was not, was not communicable, but um, they couldn't get rid of it, like nothing worked, you know, and so um, that was another tough thing. And then, if you can believe it, a couple of years later, it happened again. She had like another hospitalization and um, another surgery. And so, her mental health was declining throughout this time as well. And she had all this, like the hospitalizations were, I think a combined physical and mental situation. And it was bad. I mean, she was a young woman, like probably when it all first started, she was in her twenties, you know, and um, it was a lot of trauma, it was very hard for her. And so I can see that now, you know, I can look back, I could see it, you know, that it was not easy. And even for my aunt, you know, here she's got this, you know, difficult situation. And the next thing she knows, the brother's kid has to come live for four months but who asked for that life on life's terms so all these people they did the best they could you know and when I worked my steps for the first time in a way I remember on my fourth and fifth step talking about that and realizing what I came to realize this is what the step did for me is that everybody did the best they could they were not I just happened to be a casualty of the time of the situation of what happened Nobody was out to get me. Nobody was trying to hurt me. Did I get hurt? Yes, you know. And were some of those things sort of irretrievable in some ways? Yeah, you know. But but were they trying to be horrible? No, no. They just had no skills. They had no tools. These people needed programs, every single one of them, and they didn't have that. And they they were miserable, you know. And they were stressed, and they had like nowhere to turn. So you know. So then, and in between, I guess. Finally, I guess after a all, it's hard to, you know, get all the timelines time straight. But then for me, food started taking on a bigger role in my life when I got a little bit older, again, when I had access to it. So when I started being more able to go out and there used to be a couple of drugstores in the neighborhood where I would go there and, well, I mean, and the funny thing was is I, I had money to buy the candy that I wanted, but it was more fun to steal it. So I would do that <laughs> then you could have more, you know, and, um, so that was something that i did get caught every so often and um had to go back and you know and apologize and pay or whatever in the, in the store and uh you know those those kinds of things but um food i always had this like obsession where it just, it just made me feel better you know mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people say that you know it's like it just worked you know i mean it's like I knew if I had enough, enough candy, enough food, enough cake, enough everything was like, all right, I can get by because things, it wasn't easy. Like, you know, it just wasn't easy at school. It wasn't easy. I mean, like I was a good student, that kind of thing, but I just never felt like I fit in. I never felt like the social thing was right. It was just, it was awkward. You know, it was very hard. So, um, you know, fast forward, um, like in my adult life, you know, I somehow managed to to get educated, become a professional, had variable success in my life. Like I did okay, you know, but somehow again, nothing was ever enough. Like I never felt like I was doing it right. I never felt good enough compared to other people. And so, you know, I always used to think like, you know, once I got motivated to be, like I applied for school, I thought, okay, if I get into this school, everything's gonna be okay. So I'll get into that school, is everything okay? No, no, it's not. And then I get there and then it's like, each new level of the video game that opened up with a new monster came out. you know? <laughs> a new level of compare and despair. And that's that's how it felt because it's like, okay, so if I get this, then I'm going to be okay. And then I'm going to have respect and then people think I'm good enough and all that. And it's like only on the outside. And it, like it, it never was enough. And so, and each level was like, okay, so if you do this, if you build that office, you do this. Everybody will go, yeah, I know your office. And like for a second, it would feel real good. And then it was like, who cares? Because I had all this stress, and it's like nothing was enough, you know. And um, and like I just felt like well, I'm doing it wrong, like doing it wrong, you know. And um, and that nothing was enough. And so, um, you know, moving forward, like I did all these things, and I'm happy. To, you know, in, in retrospect, I mean, because now I know you can't. Those of you who can't see me, I, I think I'm thirty. But I'm really 62, <laughs> <laughs> I'm 61 and a half or three quarters or something like that. And so, I mean, I'm kind of getting toward the end of my career as opposed to the beginning of it. And um, so I am not sorry for any things I've done. I'm happy for every, like all of the things I've done along the way. Um, I sort of mid-career, i shifted gears and left. I, I used to be from Chicago and moved out to, to LA and went into the educational aspect of my profession, which, never sorry I did that, but it was a rough road, you know, and so what I learned along the way, and this is where programs, I got into program when I was already here, okay, and um, we moved here about, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, and so I've been in program for like 10, I mean, I started like in 2009, but didn't stick, but so for the last 10 years, really doing it, and so, you know, Again, one of the things that pushed me into program was this confluence of the family of origin nightmare and the work nightmare because I was in my new position and so I had been used to being self-employed for a really long time. And, you know, for those, for those who are self-employed, you understand that it's your way or the highway. If you don't like something, you do it differently or you change your mind or you say no, or if you don't want to work with somebody, it's like, bye-bye. But then when you work in a big concern when there's other people and you have a boss and all this kind of thing, It's not like that, and it's politics, and so I had to learn the very hardest of ways how to work with people, so if you think there's any accident about that, there's not, because my higher higher power put me in a place where I had to learn how to do that, and so once I got a program, well, so the thing was, is that what got me in program was I had this job, things didn't go so well, and basically a big piece of it got well, not renewed, let's just say, so a fancy way of getting fired. And <laughs> <laughs> so for like seven years, I had two days of work at this place. I was still there. So I had to live through all like the weird ending and gossip and all man- nasty stuff. But I was there, I stayed and I was working my program. And so literally seven years of that, and it was fine. I mean, well, sort of fine, except that I was all the time thinking well, like, I should be working full time. time, so I should be, doing, but no, What I should be doing is what exactly what I was doing was working my program because here's how program works is that seven years later almost to the day I got asked to come back to do the job that they asked me to leave in the first place so that that was like three years ago or three and a half years three years ago and so I've been doing that since and and it's been good for the most part now interestingly They changed things up there. So my job description, all of us who were doing it, that it changed. And now I have to do things in a different way than I used to do. And it's tough, i got to tell you. But you know what? If it weren't for the program, I wouldn't even be able to do it at all. I would be eating the whole time, and I'd be complaining worse than I do now, and I wouldn't be able to handle it, and I wouldn't be able to sleep, and I'd probably be 50 pounds heavier, you know? But because of this program, because of all the things that we're doing here, I am able to literally one minute at a time sometimes, continue doing this work that whether I like it or not, it seems like this is where my higher power wants me to be because I have to be a service. And so it brings me to the topic of service. I'm like, what does that mean? You know? And so you know, when I first came to program, you program, know, I heard like for the first couple of weeks, I, I went to meetings like everybody said, go to at least six meetings, see what you hear. I heard people say things like, you know, get yourself a sponsor, pick somebody who has what you want pick somebody who you'll listen to and so at that time i mean i was raw like i I have to tell you i was in so much pain like the idea of sharing i was struck mute like like right now (laughs) now i can yeah i can talk for 40 minutes and it'll go by pretty quick but um back then i couldn't talk for a second you know and so i i started going to the hill street meetings they were kind of close to where i lived and it was early in the morning. I said, okay, I need some structure. I need to get out of bed. Otherwise, if I don't, the whole day can go by and I will do nothing, you know, because I can see that happening. Is that, like, if I'm not at work, well, what else is there to do, you know, except eat or I don't know what, watch TV or something. But I didn't have a TV. So I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be on the computer all day long. So I went to these meetings and I was perfectly willing to go to a bunch of meetings. It's like, okay, let's see what's going on here. And um, so I would go and then... Within a couple of weeks, I thought, okay, well, here's the thing about somebody that I'll take direction from. I said, I heard people say, use those words, somebody you'll take direction from. I'm like, well, I'd rather give the direction. Like, no. <laughs> if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you, but, you know. So, but the thing was, is that, okay, I said, all right, my life is a shambles, you know, so I really need to listen to these people because I don't know what I'm doing. So I did that, I picked a sponsor, who I, well, I, I have no idea what, what we have. I have no idea what that means, okay? I still don't really know what that means. I just thought I have to pick somebody I'll listen to. So, so I did, and she's still my sponsor today, and I'm really happy for that and grateful for that. And um, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but um, I remember when I asked her, she said, well, um, you'll need to uh, come to five meetings a week. i was like, okay, really? All right, but okay. She said, you need to call me every day. And I remember saying, like, isn't that a pain in the ass for you? <laughs> I mean, like I thought, I really couldn't understand why anybody would want to be called every day. To me, and, and I say this all the time in Leeds, is that like from my work and everything, no good ever comes from a phone ringing. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was bad, you know? And so it was like, it just didn't make any sense. And so what she said was, um, that's how you're, yes, I want you to call me because you're helping me work my 12th step. What well, that means is I get to be of service and and talk to you and help you and like that was like okay like you're speaking another language but i'm trying to understand it and it's like okay that i guess it kind of makes sense like okay so i don't have to feel guilty for calling you every day and being a pain in your behind and so i thought that was an interesting concept so i I started doing those things and we started working the steps and um and i went to meetings and uh and it was hard you know I mean I had I had a lot of pain you know I had so much grieving to go through of like these relationships that were so difficult you know my whole life just so difficult and and I just so much self like recrimination and like questioning did I do the right thing what do I do you know so you know to fast forward a little bit about the story of my parents so um and again you know my sponsor has encouraged me to talk about this some I don't always talk I don't have that much need to talk about it but hear a lot of people and you go to meetings, you hear people talk about how working steps has helped the relationships and how the relationships have improved with family members and how they, but um, we used to never get along, now we get along great, now I can enjoy them. Well, you know what? That's not my story. Like, um, sometimes it happens that you can work the steps, you can be of service, you can be a sponsor, you can do everything, you can, you know, participate at every level. You can, you know, but you know what? Sometimes those relationships don't work out. And you know what else? You can still have peace around it. So um, that's what I want to communicate is that if you're one of those people that your family of origin it just like never works out for you, that's okay. Like God gives you other people. And so, or your higher power, however you choose to look at that power, like you will be aligned with other people who are going to be your people in your life. You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the ones that you're genetically tied to and so, because that's been my experience, and um, and if it is the people you're tied to, hey, great, that's that's awesome for you, you know. But if it isn't, you're not a bad person. It just works out that way sometimes, you know. I feel like you get the gift of other people, and I, like that's the gift that I've been given of people in this program. Of these are special people that I get to connect with and practice with, and and like learn how to live life on much like, terms with. And it, and it takes a while because I've been like. A lot of us, you know, I mean, I'm not unique in that I've had injuries from my past. We've all had some trauma, you know, but it takes a really long time to learn to trust and to come out of that. And we all have weird behaviors when we're, you know, sort of beat up emotionally. Like, we get all fear of abandonment and needy and crazy, and, you know, and we make other people crazy, too. And so um, it takes time to, like, heal from those things, you know? And so... Like, why do I talk about that? Because it's, ter- it's directly tied to the food for me. I mean, all those kinds of things, all that stuff is why I eat or want to eat. And so, you know, when you hear people say in the rooms, like, if you want to know why you eat, put the food down. And so for me, what you know, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but I, I hope, I'd i like to think that the process of this discussion or this talk is that I'm kind of going problem-solution, problem-solution. So I want to weave them together because I don't think you can... Separate the two. It's not like what it was like and what it's like now. It's like no, there's always problems and you're always looking for solution all the time. It's like it's a constant process. It's a constant evolution, you know. So it's um it's it's work every day. And so that's what one day at a time means anymore. It's it's doing the work every day, you know. And it's it's yeah, it's one day at a time, meals or one meal at a time. But it's also doing the work every day and being willing to do the work and um. And so, again, back to the, the family thing is that, um, so fast forward, you know, it, it was always difficult with my, especially my mother over time. Um, she was a person who had a lot of expectation out of me and you had to set really strong boundaries with a person like her, you know, she was kind of an energy vampire. And um, I had to like, like she didn't hear, no, she you had to scream it, you know, and, um, and that was a problem because I got used to screaming my boundaries. And so I would try, I would do that with everybody. And people are like, you know, you don't have to scream boundaries. I mean with some people you do, but you don't always have to. Some people can actually hear a boundary. And um so fast forward to uh now I can say, you know, she had a couple of mental breaks in my adult life and you know, we dealt with that. And um And I knew then, like the first one happened when I was about 30 years old, and uh, it was one of those things where um, she uh, basically went into a manic phase and had to be hospitalized, and we had to try to get her to go to the hospital. And so my father was, I couldn't handle it, I just couldn't deal, you know, so I had to like kind of manage the whole thing, and it was tough, and so I remember getting a hold of the psychiatrist that used to treat her when she was younger, when I was a kid and he was retired, but somehow I had his number, I got it and I called him and somehow he answered the phone. It was like, that was a higher power talking. And I asked him, I'm like, what should I do? Cause he remembered her, you know? And um, he says, well, if you can get her to the hospital, I'll admit her. So I was like, okay, all right, we've got some help here. Thank God. And um, so this was the days before GPS before cell phones were the thing that they are. So we're in the car and nobody knew how to get to this hospital except my mother. (laughs) So she's giving the directions and we're driving. And it was like, again, this was like higher power driven and she's giving a whole tirade about as we're driving past things like, oh, that place and that house. I'm like, okay. So finally we get there and we try to get her in the door. And then she starts swearing up a storm at the hospital person. and It's like, It was just a nightmare. And finally, we get her in there and get her admitted. And so she ended up having about, I don't know, like a four-week stay at that time. And she got regulated on her meds, and it was okay. And then get out and so she's back to some sort of normalcy. And then wouldn't you know, I don't know how long it took, wasn't that long, she decided she didn't want to be on the meds anymore. Not for her. And against medical advice, goes off the meds. And then the next thing you know, She's, you know, back in a worse state than she was before, and so this time, I mean, it was just it, it's it's such like a it's like one story after another. But um, suffice it to say, it took even a longer. It was like a six-week stay to get that through that one. And you know, every time that she'd come out of it, finally they'd get her regulated and took horse doses of everything. And and I remember saying to her, you know, like you can't ever do this again. I mean, I was so angry. I was like, you can't. you have to continue take your medication she was like i didn't know she's like i didn't know i'm like you didn't know everybody told you you know but here's the thing i'm powerless over that kind of thing i am powerless over people places and things i can say it but then if it's not done it's not my business so here's the thing though is that she tried to make my life her business all the time like drag me into everything and take care of it and fix it and this and that and i i did my best to help and fix and do but then it got to a point where my father's health started to fail because he was the one who as much as he had a trouble dealing with all of it he did keep a certain stability about the whole situation and she did listen to him now he had the false notion that he would always say things to me like well you know something happens to me don't let her spend it all I'm like, oh, well, we'll see about that. And then, you know, or if it, something happens to me, don't let her do this. I'm like, I'll do my best. Well, sure enough, something happened to him where he couldn't manage things. And then, lo and behold, she didn't listen to me at all. And she did whatever she wanted. And she had the legal right to do that. And um, and she was making a mess of things and making a mess of his healthcare. So it, it took a while. I really had to think about it. This was before program. I didn't have the help of the program. I didn't have the support of, like, I, I wish I would have had it, but you know what, I learned a lot of lessons back then that um, I finally got to the point where I had to, uh, you know, I went to an attorney and tried to begin the conservatorship process, do all that. And uh, we thought, oh, it's a no brainer. You know, this is such a mess and they're gonna hand it over to me and everything's gonna be fine. And that's not what happened. It turned out to be a horrible giant mess and the relationship was severed, and um, he went back to worse healthcare. Everything we had set up was like right down the toilet. All these things, and so it was it was bad. And so I, had, and then there was like all these like legal fighting and all kind of arguments, and um, it took a while to get through that. And then after that was over, I had, I was really kind of a mess, you know, and um, and. That's when it was probably I don't know maybe a, a year or two after that that I really seriously came to program because that's when the whole thing kind of blew up with work and that and and it took a long time to work through that stuff you know it really did of having the pain of the um, feeling like a victim, feeling like I'm a bad person. And then the other thing that was happening is that not only did you know she hate me or whatever, but she enlisted all of her friends and everybody else, and she tried to get the other family members to be against me, and as she really was trying to, like, she did all kinds of smear techniques and all sorts of things, like things that you would not think a mother would do. She did a lot of those things, you know? And I know I'm talking about this in a very public way, and it's only because if other people have gone through a thing like this, I wanna give you, thank you, I'll wrap that up in 10 minutes, um, that if you've gone through a thing like this, that it's going to be okay, you're going to get through it, you're going to this too shall pass because I never thought it would pass, but it did. And only with the help of working steps and working this program and learning how to connect in a healthier way with other people. And, um, you know, so here's another fast forward is that, um, so there during this time of COVID, I found out because we were strange, you know, and it was kind of I mean, I won't go into great details, but basically that was it. And so I found out through this very odd way, which I almost didn't find out, but I was supposed to find out that she passed away during COVID. And um, so uh, it turns out that um, there was one of the people involved there who was just a particularly difficult personality that I didn't want to have to contend with. But but you know what? I called him off, and I dealt with him. And... Um, I talked to him, and again, I had no, I wanted to make sure I had no obligation or anything because at one point there wouldn't have been, I was supposed to be the executor or something, but that, that had changed. And um, so I called him and I actually asked him, could you send me old photographs, things like that. And so there was closure and there was peace about it. And, um, and you know, they had a, um, what they've been doing through COVID is these sort of live broadcasts of the funeral. So I actually saw it as it was happening On, uh, you know, live streaming, and it was a weird experience. It was like watching reality TV that I didn't know half the people there, but I got to see it, and got to have closure. And um, I, I could feel like empathy for her. I could let her go, and realize that in this life, we did all did the best we could, and that's what it was. And and she got the people around her that she wanted. And um, you know, and at that time, I have to tell you that my sponsor was totally there for me, talking about it, and really helped me out a lot, um, putting it in perspective. And uh, and that's that was that's it. Like, and so that's the story, and that's how it ends. You know, so um, it's not one of these magic program stories of like, oh, but I was at her bedside and this and that. And it's like it wasn't like that for me. You know. And so, if it's not like that for you, that's okay. I'm just here to tell you that that's my story, you know, and uh, and that's how it goes sometimes. So, you know, so back to the food, how does it all tie together? I was absent during all of that. My food didn't change. I could still eat the same breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I could still go to my meetings. I could still talk to people. I could still talk to my sponsees, my sponsor. Um, There's a connection in these groups that that helps us to live life on life's terms, you know? And and i learned how to be grateful for everything I have, like for my good health, for the willingness to take care of myself at this point. And so like an example of self-care, it's like another big thing that like the program teaches me is balance, is how to live in a balanced way. You know, you hear people, we're all people of extremes. We come in here with like one extreme or another whatever our extreme is, we kind of have to learn how to deal with it. And so, you know, for me, that's the extreme of responsibility of like beating myself up, you know, all these things. And so I had to learn that it's okay to take a day off of work if I don't feel well, you know? I mean, in the last 35 years, I could count on my fingers of one hand probably how many days I've taken off. But you know what? This past week, I wasn't feeling well. I actually took a day off of work, which is like, woohoo, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what recovery looks like for me is finding balance, is having gratitude. It's being of service in ways that um, connect me to other people, connection. Like connection is the bigger picture of service. Like, you know, we come to the rooms and, you know, we set up chairs or we do whatever um, or we take Zoom commitments or whatever thing we do. That's a way to connect with other people. And that's the thing that I learned in that um and i the thing is i have to keep practicing it because left to my own devices my default is to sit by myself at home on the couch because that's comfortable feel safe you know like i'm not going to get in any trouble on the couch like i'm not going to have to have any awkward interactions or feel weird or feel awkward or feel like alone i mean i could just sit there and it's like okay it's safe on the couch but there's no life on the couch you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know the life is here with you guys you know and so that's where I'm now willing to be is in the middle of the herd you hear that all the time if you're new you'll hear people talk about that like get in the middle of the herd and so I've never felt in the middle of the herd until now now I can feel like that like it's taken a long time but like I show up and I want to be a part of and that's it's like sometimes you just have to like jump right in to be a part of in order to feel a part of it it's like the actions and then the feelings come after but um it's just uh this program you know and maybe i didn't talk enough about higher power but i do meditate and pray every day um i I have conscious contact i really try to connect by writing using the tools um you know i really try to work this program to the best of my ability um and i mean there's, there's always a lot more to say and uh I guess at this point, maybe at 6.15, I think I'll just uh, stop here and open it up for questions. So thank you. Anybody have any questions? I can, I can always talk more. <laughs> Yes, Leslie. thank you so much. Can you talk about your food plan and how that's changed over the years? How you sure thanks? How Leslie. Food plan and how you... Yeah. Okay. So the question is about my food plan, how it's changed over the years. So again, the the three meals with two optional snacks is a fairly loose, you know, like the loose garments. You hear people say wear your absence like a loose garment. So it it's looked different. So when I was first in program for the first two years, I didn't lose any weight because I had big meals and big snacks because I wasn't willing to let them go. I was afraid to like, I wouldn't survive from one feeding to the next. So (laughs) so you don't lose weight like that. But then along the way after the first couple of years where actually it coincided with steps like nine and 10 where um, and then also I kind of injured my elbow and went to physical therapy and then um, cat was passing and so that was another thing to honor her to eat over that i became willing to put the food down and pick up the exercise again so um what it started to look like is to really shrink down the breakfast to like kind of not not minimal but like to what it needs to be like a normal size at lunch like a normal size thing so for example what my food looks like today um and it actually this breakfast has been this way for a while it's been Like a yogurt, 12 almonds, fruit, and um, like immunity boost shot, and water, okay? And um, lunch looks like I have a turkey sandwich with um, spinach, big pile of spinach and and tomatoes. And then I'll often have an afternoon snack of like a uh, protein bar. And then dinner is more substantial. I'll have like protein, veggies, um, maybe sometimes double veggies, and uh, maybe fruit too sometimes, you know? And um I do eat desserts sometimes it's like not never, but the road has narrowed for me. so that's something that's changed like in the beginning of program, I was having desserts you know I kind of like still needed them and felt like I needed them. but I still always maintain the three and two plan but now I, I have far less desserts than I ever had before like I'll have them sometimes but less frequently and um, so so the food has it's narrowed, you know and, um, recently this week it's funny because i had the experience of having loss of appetite but i wasn't feeling that well during the week i was telling my sponsor about that that it's been um like a a weird thing to not be hungry because i've been hungry so much of my life that i don't know what it feels like to, like when i'm not hungry it's like wow that's what it feels like to like be done like actually done eating you know and so as opposed to being committing to stop eating i'm was not eating, so yeah. I hope that answers your question. Of uh, yeah. so I think what is there? Oh, yes. And um, did you ever, when you were in the program, did you in the beginning have um overwhelming desires to just go nuts with the food? And if so, what did you do about it? Well, the question is, did I have the overwhelming desire to go nuts with the food? And what did I do about it? Well, you know, I, I have to say that it's imperfect, okay. Sometimes I, I would eat more than others and sometimes still do have bigger meals, you know, but there's there's an end to it, you know it's like there's some something that stops me at this point where. Um, one of the tools that I use is to text somebody so when you know you'll hear people say reach out like in the moment when you feel like they're going to overeat text somebody you know and tell them what you're doing or Text your sponsor somebody and just say look. I'm, I'm starving right now, or I'm doing this or doing that. And it's like, if, if you're willing to reach out and, and connect with somebody, then chances are you might be willing to stop eating in the moment. Now, again, does it always work? Not 100%, but um, now what I do is I have a habit at the end of the night. I Like I'll text somebody, done eating, kitchen's closed, you know? And um, so I do that. And again, I send my food at the end of the night, I'll wrap up. I send my food to my sponsor that's usually a sign I'm not gonna eat anymore. So again, thank you so much for letting me share.